true confidence and go, here's where your gaps are very quickly. Here's where you're losing money. Here's where we can scale your revenue. I'm a big believer in scaling revenue first because that's where you can get profit. That's where you can give you options. And I think when it comes to like, how do you separate yourself? What's your it factor? Like when I evaluate. Welcome to Unstoppable, the podcast for anyone who believes that their past and current circumstances do not define their future potential. I'm Karina Burton, your host and co-founder of CPR Construction Cleaning. This show is a series of pro-founding conversations that share stories and experiences of unstoppable people. Those who are willing to change, discover what it means to be aligned, and who are also willing to face tough challenges that stand between them and their dreams. As a coach and marketing expert, I live my life believing that I am unstoppable. Now I want you to know that you are unstoppable too. Thank you so much, Raquel, for joining us on the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here, Karina. Well, I mean, it's like you are the epitome of the powerhouse woman. I'm not joking when I say that because when I first found you on Instagram, that's where I saw you, um, you were like, doing all the things, but you're doing it with such power behind it and such education. That's what really stood out to me was your ability to juggle. I mean, I'm going to be super transparent and forward. I feel like you juggle it all very seamless, right? You make it look really easy, which I don't want to paint this picture of that facade, right? That it's so easy and you just like done, you know, Raquel does it all like without a hitch, but the way you do it and the way that it comes across, it's very professional and it has so much education behind it that it's really powerful. Um, so I just I have to bring that up if anyone follows her or, you know, is now listening to the podcast, you definitely need to check out her social. So how did you get started on all of that? Oh, what a loaded question. So first off, thank you. I'll receive that. I wasn't always great with <laughs> compliments and I always would say like, no, but I will tell you that it's a lot of failures that I just happen to push through. And although it may seem like it's seamless, there was a lot of lessons I think learned in that journey. And it's continue. I mean, I'm still in the journey. I'm still continuing to learn new things. I'm still continuing to pivot. Um, we have a lot of changes happening even as we speak. So I know that like if we were going to talk about well, how did it all start, it was probably a combination of 23 years of being in business, actual business. I started my first real estate multi-million dollar business at the age of 19, um, started my next company at the age of 24, um, which was a mortgage company. And I think just even just those two, I learned a ton. And then I got recruited into corporate. A lot of times people leave uh, their corporate job or their employment to go start business, I was actually the opposite. And then I ran an office. I was a CEO of a Keller Williams office in the worst time ever of a recession from 2007 to 2010. I took over a failing brokerage and it became one of the top 10 in all of Keller Williams, which at the time had 700 offices. I learned a lot about people. I learned a lot about leadership. I learned about the corporate world. You and before that, I was kind of just figuring it out. This is how you run businesses. And I think during that time, because it was such a huge recession in our times of people losing houses, getting cars repossessed, you learn to really understand people and their behaviors and the way they Oh, I love that. Yes. That's amazing. You're able to really understand the energy exchange behind how you communicate with others and then also bring them into your space. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really building that community because you are learning the psychology behind who they are and then also your demographic. I love that. That's amazing. I mean, you're obviously an unstoppable powerhouse woman. Um, and you started at the age of 19. That is amazing. But let's go a little bit like before that. 
did you always know that you're like, you know what, I want to be in real estate? This is it. I know my calling in life. Oh, I love this question. I don't think anybody ever asked me this question. Did I always know that I wanted to be in real estate? <laughs> Believe it or not, I, in high school, because my parents were didn't come from a lot, we were very poor, I never wanted to be a burden on them. So my first car, I had three jobs as a junior in high school because I didn't want to ask them for money. And then like it was during high school that I said, I'm going to go find other jobs so that I don't ever have to ask them for like movies, clothes, and finally saving enough to build, um, to buy a car that gave me like, oh, I can do this on my own. And it was probably at like 16 or 17 when I started working at a cell phone place, we started selling cell phones, is when I really knew that I wanted to be in business. If you look at, I think, in uh, the Latin uh, culture, it's quinceañeras. And in the mm -hmm. Filipino cultures, it's uh, the cotillion. So at my cotillion, if you read when I was announced like to go out, right, it's when you become a woman and they like throw this party for you. And I remember my cousin, who was the MC, was like, one day her goal is to be a CEO of a company. Everyone's like, what is a CEO? I just remember all my <laughs> friends asking me what yeah. a CEO was. So I just knew from an early age that I loved business. I fell in love with mm -hmm. business. Every retail that I worked at, even in the mall, I like would study like how the business made money, where they lost money, where people were stealing. And I was just fascinated with how much you can actually grow a business, to be quite honest. So then you graduate from high school mm -hmm. and you have the opportunity to get into real estate. Yeah, by accident. I didn't want to get into real estate as it to be a career. I actually mm -hmm. got into real estate to become an investor. So while I was going to college, I wanted to be an investor and make money on the side because I saw an infomercial. Oh, I love it. And I needed to be <laughs> an investor and it was Carlson Sheets of like buy houses with no money down. And at the time I knew I was young. I looked young and I thought, why not get my real estate license? So I actually could understand mm -hmm. how to raise money and people would actually give me money. But little did I know that once you like passed your real estate license, every broker calls you in town because they need you to hang it at their office. Mm -hmm. So that's how that whole story of like, did I really want to become a real estate agent? No, I actually wanted to become an investor. I happen by default go into the real estate business because of that. It was your drive for being educated to learn, right? Like you did go to college, but you still found ways outside of the, you know, the secular learning of the system, right? Whether it's, you know, high school, college, like you just kept thinking outside the box, how can I learn more? Because as you and I both know as entrepreneurs that you learn a lot through that, you know, generically used school of hard knocks, which I use all the time because I swear that has been my greatest teacher in life. You know, I don't ever knock the, um, the school system going to college or anything like that. I didn't have that opportunity like, um, you know, a lot of the, my peers, but I can say that everything I've learned has been through that. And a lot of the other entrepreneurs, you know, it's an added value to your education is actually looking outside of your sphere and doing it, actually learning how to do it. So that's amazing that you were able to, at such a young age, like have that mindset. So speaking of mindset, how did you develop that mindset to even be, you know, someone who's always thinking outside the box and learning. My dog is going crazy. Hold on. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, I can so hear you. So sorry about that. You're okay. okay. So um, when it came to my mindset and it came to education, believe it or not, coming from a, an Asian family, they want you to go to school they want you to get a degree, go to college, and I was the rebel in the family. So I actually didn't apply to college. Um, I had all the grades, 4.0. I was in sports. I was in student government. And to tell my parents after like my first year, the reason why I got to college was because my counselor actually applied for me on the <laughs> spot. 
So it was the closest college. At the time, it was called Cal State Hayward. And I was like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave home. And and I will tell you that um, to tell my parents after a year of saying like, hey, I'm not going to finish college, it was probably the most heartbreaking like face that I've ever seen my parents. And they were like, you're never going to make it in real estate. And I got that all the time. Even when I was in the office and I finally hung mm-hmm. my license, they're like, you're just a kid. No one's going to ever take you serious. I finally got the um, – every single person that I had um, met in that office was like, you're never going to make it. You're, you look too young. Looking young is a handicap in our business. But that gave me drive. That gave mm-hmm. me fuel. That actually helped m- my mindset. Rather yeah. than cry, I actually went to the opposite of like, watch me. I'm going to make this thing happen. And I probably overstudied through books – through tapes. We didn't have podcasts back then. It was cassette tape. <laughs> no, yeah. I just reached out. We didn't have the internet back then. So it was like whatever I could get my hands on, like you said, the hard knocks of life. Mm-hmm. And I begged people in my office that were top agents to mentor me. I was like, I will work for you for free. I will put out little packets at every, you know, every house in your farm, yeah. you know, like these areas that they market to. I will put up your open house signs. I was like, I will be your assistant for free because I just wanted to hear them talk and find out how they actually mm-hmm. did business. So that's really like how, and that just became my thirst for more education, more knowledge of like who else can I bring into my world that can help me like understand this business. So do you feel like that was your ultimate drive, like your why, or did you have another why? Because as we get older, I think our why um, evolutionizes, especially, you know, in your position, you're a single woman growing your business, growing your life. And then you start having kids you, or you get married, you start having kids or however, vice versa, <laughs> however people do it. Yeah. Um, your why then changes. But when you're young and single like that, no kids, what was your why? Was it because you're like, you're not going to tell me how that I'm going to succeed or not. Like you are not going to be that person. I wish that was it, but I knew that that was a factor of it. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm going to watch me. It was that it was a recurring theme in my life of you can't do it. And if you look at a lot of my journey, even like taking over an office at 25, being a CEO from a new market, people were like, there's no way they hired you as a CEO for our office. There's just no way. And it was like, surrounded by an adult community in Goodyear by Pebble Creek. And I was like, well, let's just see. I think my mindset at the time was I just want to make enough so that I'm not a burden to my parents. I really wanted to buy my parents a house. I really wanted to own a house. And so a year later, I remember putting a deposit on one house for myself and one house in Vegas for my parents. And so that became my driving factor of like never to see my Mm -hmm. parents struggle anymore was because they had done so much for us and me going back home to the Philippines and seeing poverty and seeing my cousins in poverty. I just knew that they had migrated here for a better opportunity. And the last thing I could do is like repay them. So that was like my first why of like, how do I make enough where they, I can send myself to school, send myself to anything that I I need and not ever ask them for another dollar. And then of course, it changes. Yeah. And that's such a powerful why. It is so important that anyone who is wanting to do something big in their life, they have to have their why so clear, even if it does evolutionize, right? Like I was a mom at 19. So my why has been my kids since I was 19. Mm -hmm. But it's like every single person has to have that pillar, that beacon that continues to call them or else the naysayers, the doubters, the financial lack, um, living in circumstances that are not what maybe your peers are living, right? Because they're living in the now and spending the money while you're like, I will do the free education. I will do, you know, the free training. I will be mentored and I will work for you. But that, that comes with sacrifice and that comes where, you know, you're not doing all of the same things that, you know, everyone else is, but it's your why that really is going to be your pillar and your beacon. Um, so, okay. You mentioned a little bit about, you went to college for a little bit. Is that correct? Yeah. And you, was it in California? It was in California in the Bay area. 
And then your parents lived in Vegas. They lived in California and then they ended up moving to Vegas because that's where I bought them a home. Okay. And now here you are in Arizona. Yep. So when did you transition over into Arizona? So when my first one was born, we decided that, hey, let's think about living somewhere else because we're young enough that if we don't like it, we can always move back. And we were investing in Arizona and in Nevada and Las Vegas in particular. And so we knew that Las Vegas wasn't an option because mm-hmm. of what had happened to one of my rentals out there. We were like, okay, it's too close to the We're probably not going to do that. We were like terrified from that situation. Um, and then we also looked at Arizona and my, my, we both had different, you know, things that we wanted to, our lifestyle to look like, Mm -hmm. um, what, what we want our house to look like. So we ended up building, um, a home, a custom home on a golf course because my husband wanted to be on a golf course. And I think it was one of the most scariest things that I had done because our business, our real estate business had been around for eight years. Our mortgage business was already established and to leave something behind and start mm. over in a new market with yeah. nothing, with no family members here, with not knowing a, a single soul. Like that was probably one of the most scariest and most humbling experiences that I've had when I look back at my journey. So when you were in California and before you moved to Arizona, how long were you, have you, had you established your credibility and built your client base in California before you moved to Arizona? Eight years. Eight years. Okay, yeah. And so we you had probably the number one market share in Union City, California. You couldn't So go you probably through... sorry, I totally interrupted no. you. Go ahead. No, like you couldn't go through like I was so known number one, I went to school there from kindergarten, grade school. My parents ended up op- opening up a business there. High school I was there. My whole family, my dad has twelve brothers and sisters, they're there. Right. So and every grocery store, every Union City bus had my sign on the back of the bus. So we like dominated that city. Mm-hmm. So that was really, that was like my identity. So it was really hard to make that decision. But it was like, you know what? I'll never know if I don't take this risk. That is honestly really terrifying because even though you're not starting from scratch with your knowledge, but you're starting from scratch with your support system, your community, and everything that you built, that, I mean, that it's for itself speaks for the power that is behind you knowing and believing that you can do it all over again. And that there is no, there's fear, but not fear that will ever sustain you from being able to move forward. Um, So what, I mean, what made you so passionate though, to make this transition over? You know, I said, we were deciding whether we were going to move, sell our home and move to San Ramon and like Dublin area. And we looked and again, we wanted to be on a golf course. We wanted a better school for Bryce, who's my oldest, or we said, you know, this is our opportunity to like my husband and I are both born and raised from in the Bay area. And like, this is mm-hmm. our opportunity to experience something different. We'll never know till we try. And even today, like I look back as scary as that was, I feel like that gave me so many different lessons because a year later the market tanked and the house was worth pretty much nothing. And we had to like downsize on a, uh, on a bunch of things. We had crazy cars, like we couponed, we had lost some things and like I said, it was very humbling, but I know now even today, because we've rebuilt a lot quicker, is mm-hmm. I can move anywhere. And like we told our kids, if like you guys decide that you guys want to move, there is nothing that we're attached to because I know that we can rebuild again. Yes. I literally just wrote a post about this. Actually, it was yesterday. I had this like this, uh, not like an epiphany, but it was a inspiration. And I specifically said, and it started with a question, are you willing to change your comfort, your sense of security and your temporary lifestyle to change your life the way that you want to change it? Right. And that really builds this entire perception of people who are very successful. And you're just like, how did you get there? And what you don't see is the sacrifice that we have, that 
people have to make and that you can have it all and lose it all, but you believe in what you're doing so much that you're willing to do it again and, but do it differently this time, right? Because you're going to improve yourself every single time. You're going to be like, these are the things I learned. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And let me have an opportunity to innovate myself and create myself into a stronger um, version of myself than to now. Um, and shoot, I had literally had a question that I wanted to ask you and I just totally, um, blanked in my mind. But with that, I wanted to see what your, um, oh, this is going to bother me because I had a really amazing question. You hate, you know, when that happens and it's like in your mind and then it just fizzles no, out. As you were like saying that maybe it'll come up, you know, um, to you. It's like, I have like knots in my stomach. Because I don't think that pe- people always see the highlight reels of mm-hmm. like the, the outcome of what's happened. But during that whole time, like I remember even when I took that CEO role to run that office, I mm-hmm. had not made that kind of money like since high school. So you think about selling and commissions on 750 to a million dollars in the Bay Area. You come here to Phoenix, Arizona or specifically to the West Valley and Goodyear, and your house prices are $50,000, that's a huge drop in income. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? so like even that, like I remember looking and calling my mentor, my mentor and the regional director at the time who had got me to the company, they were like, Raquel, I promise you, you may have to take a step backwards for other opportunities. And I didn't mm-hmm. really like didn't know. I went on blind faith, but I was like, this doesn't feel good. Luckily, I had a three-year buyout on the on the mortgage company as well as the the real estate company. But even that was scary, right? To give that up, going like, you know what? I have a contingency plan, but you still have to move forward in Arizona. Because mm-hmm. I could have easily just said, you know what? This sucked. I'm moving back, especially during the recession. Like, I'm going to move back and I'm going to make 10 times more of the money out there. Yeah. And then when you got here, though the market tanked and everything you thought was going to happen. It like, (laughs) it slid down the opposite direction. How did you feel during that time? Did you feel like, shit, I literally made the wrong decision or like, what were your emotions during that time? Like you could have like, that's so spot on. (laughs) I made the wrong decision. All those thoughts came through my head. And I think, um, I remember going to my husband and going, how are we going to do this? I mean, we had really expensive cars because our climb had always been a high. It always had been escalating up and mm-hmm. not even just like little, it was hockey sticks up. Every time we opened a mortgage company, like when we did the team, like it was massive jumps and to come so fast, so down and like go to couponing. Like I remember we actually had a coupon at a point of like, how are we going to do this? Because when you've got multiple properties, and I think at the time we had 15, like, and renters don't pay, your savings eats up really, mm-hmm. really fast. And you're oh, like, yeah. how are we going to figure this out? Mm-hmm. Right? That's It's going- so crazy because I swear, like, although my story is different, but I feel like I can totally relate to you in this because, oh my gosh, you know, when you're at your highest peak in your career and then you are essentially losing everything of comfortability. It is catastrophic. It makes you feel like you're a failure. And you can either transition over to that side of feeling like failure and you're just going to give up or whatever, or you pivot and you say, no, I'm not going to let this. And this is probably, I don't want to speak for you, but do you feel like this is when you realized you are literally an unstoppable person because this moment, like you were able to overcome one of the hardest things that you've had in your, uh, you know, your, in your entire career to this point. Yeah. I think at the moment I didn't feel it, that I was unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually it after. Later, <laughs> yeah. Be quite honest with everybody. So like, just keep grinding and keep, like, even when you are confused, like just keep pushing through because there's light at the end of the tunnel whatever it is for you. And I had that, not only my own family and all my financial things going on, 
But then I also had 300 agents that were losing their homes. And how did I have to like step up and lead them through Mm -hmm. this shift and through this market? I think taught me a lot. I always joke to everybody that my mother-in-law was living with us at the time because they were building their home. And I learned how to actually drink wine during that time because I was like so stressed out that like she would always drink wine at dinner and it would just calm me down from a whole day of just like curveballs left and right. Yeah, I'm thinking outside the box. And that can be really exhausting when you're just like my creative brain is fried on how to how to solve problems constantly. So I did think of that that question that I had for you, which was what are some of the key points that you feel have been your biggest, um, your biggest moments to elevate up compared to your competitors in the industry? Like what are those differentiating factors that you continue to see like over and over? Because there are a lot of people in real estate. There's a lot of, you know, competition and, I feel that when someone is very successful in your industry, you're doing something really special and really different. So what would you say those things are? I think one is absolutely mindset that you, it, I think one thing that I learned even in competitive sports is like, you always got to do a little bit more than everybody else, mm-hmm. even if it's 1%. So if somebody says, and I think I've just gotten better over time. I remember even like coming into a new market, brand new market, not knowing anybody. So you got to understand the market. So I studied the market. This is where that whole like guerrilla warfare. I wanted to know who my competition was, you know, who were the other offices that were in business? What was their value proposition? How do I become different? Even like every business that I've gone into, it's like, how do we become different? Even with business coaching online, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of business coaches out there. And it's like, what makes us different? What makes us have a wait list? What makes us like, want people want to work with us it's it's number one it's I would say is we have experience behind us and I'm able to look at somebody's business with true confidence and go here's where your gaps are very quickly here's where you're losing money here's where we can scale your revenue I'm a big believer in in scaling revenue first because that's where you can get profit that's where Mm -hmm. you can give you options and I think when it comes to like how do you separate yourself what's your it factor Like when I evaluate a business or when we're even like looking to acquire a business, it's like, what's their it factor? What could we change? Like, how do they separate themselves? How do we position Mm -hmm. themselves? Like a lot of my clients right now is like, how do I position them for 2023 right now with their brand? Right. Because that is important in real estate now. Um, It was like before it was like maybe postcards, but now it's social media. Like we have a whole nother factor that they actually have to put into their business plan. And so- yeah. So, sorry, I was totally going to interrupt you. And then I'm like, no, wait, she's not done. So that's, you know, it's interesting to see how it is true with the postcards, the mailing, with real estate, and now it really is social media. And I can say that, like, not everyone that is a real estate agent is understanding that, right? They're still in that sales mode. So people are just like, oh, my gosh not another real estate agent, not another text from a real estate agent like asking me if I want to sell my house. But the people who do get it, they're making all the difference. And the ones that I do see and I follow like yourself, but there are some others, they're integrating their personal brand into their sales strategies, which is a really big deal. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I think the other factor, not only to like the it factor or like what makes us different is probably customer service. Like one of our core values is relationships with team. We've always taken care of our customers. Like for the first five years of my real estate career, I did not advertise whatsoever. It was a matter of just taking care of our people taking care of our clients, even after they bought a home. It was like, I was the one that was invited to those housewarming parties. I was invited to their birthdays because of a relationship. It wasn't transactional. And do you feel like, I mean, the people that you built these relationships with, it was then just growing word of mouth. It was just being able to spread like wildfire instead of initially dumping dollars into your marketing efforts. For sure. 
How, and how do you feel like your business is scaling now that you have been utilizing social media? Do you notice like a huge increase or is this a gradual? I mean, because social media with its um, algorithm, it can be a little bit tricky, I think. But I'd love to hear from someone like you because I am so curious that a lot of people in real estate, they do have like really big followings and people are very interested in like the beautiful homes that they're posting, but you do, you do things differently. I'm, gonna, I'm like going to repeat myself once again, like I did at the beginning. If you're not following Raquel, you really should because she really is full of education. It's not just like showcasing what's on the market or what um, she's doing necessarily. It really is educating people. Um, mm -hmm. But what would you say your your notice of increase of revenue from word of mouth to now using social media? Word of mouth and referrals still is our number one. When we look at data in the business, um, most of our clients have come from other clients mm -hmm. or other clients' results. I think our clients have done a really good job of like just telling their story and people will ask them who's their coach or who's behind um, the the strategic part of their business because they can notice a difference and, and they'll tell, they'll, they'll say us. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say they've done a really good job, but as far as social media, we are now starting to see a lot more referrals come in. And as far as real estate, we haven't really talked about real estate. I just have been in the industry, I think for so long. Mm -hmm. And what I tell my clients today, when it comes to real estate, I'm like, don't be posting all the houses that have like no emotions, like the whole just listed, the whole just sold. Like that does not tell a consumer like, oh my gosh, I want to work with Raquel. Mm -hmm. and she posted all the houses that she sold. Sometimes it could be the opposite effect of like, they're too busy for me. Yeah. Right. It's the emotional connection. And it's like, how do they, how should they connect with you? Because it's not going to be a picture of a front of a house. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't move people. Absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, there's those homes that so many of us are putting on our dream board and we are enamored by the beauty of it, these custom homes. But the reality is, is like, we may not necessarily be that buyer at that moment. Right. So I was just thinking about, I sold my home. Um, pretty much at the peak of the market. So I actually sold my house in May. I think we closed in May. And it was, a, I mean, the value from then to now, it's lost 100,000. Okay. So like the market has been crazy. I feel really grateful that, um, you know, we made the decision right then. But here's the funny thing is that when I went out to my Facebook, right? Because I feel like Facebook is like, I don't know. It's where you ask the questions yeah. for me at least. And I'm like, you know, I'm friends with a lot of realtors. I have so many realtor friends, but I said, I've got financial goals that I want to hit. And I want to know, I don't want to be looked at as, Hey, I want to just sell your house and it'd be easy peasy for me to make this transaction, especially at that time, because so many of the homes were selling and I'm sure that uh, real estate agents had a lot of customers, right? To be able to sell homes at that time specifically. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, of course that post, I will say it caught, it got 145 comments for like just tagging people in it. And I was like, I, to me, that was a lot. I'm like, that's a lot of people. How am I supposed to go through all this and pick one person? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick my top four that I saw like the name trending several times. But then I, um, a girlfriend of, well, actually she's my best friend. And she had told me, Hey, there's this, a friend of mine, you know, he's amazing. I highly recommend him. So I like interviewed all four of them. And it was really interesting though, that when I told them my financial goals of how much I wanted to sell the house for, three of them were like, well, you know, I'm not really sure if the market is really saying that. Like, I guess in my neighborhood, in my old neighborhood, there weren't that many homes that were sold. So it was really hard to see what the market was at that time for those particular homes that I was in. And they were just not willing to like put a little bit of effort, like 
to fight for it, except for this guy who was like, I said, this is what I want to sell the house for. And he's like, great, let's do it. Whatever you want, let's do it. I'll figure it out. I'll help you. We'll walk you like literally was there and like supporting me instead of making me feel like I was crazy. Right. And that I wouldn't be able to have that effort. And now I'm like, I want to tell everybody about this guy and be like, he will literally help you through your financial goals. And, you know, you just being able to say, Hey, I sell houses is just not going to be enough, especially in competitive markets. Um, you have to be able to differentiate yourself and, and like put in that extra effort, but really connect with your, um, customer with, you know, your client and say, Hey, of course you want to give them realistic goals. Right. Or, but if you feel like you can do that, then it it speaks volumes being able to have that kind of, um, ability to, um, connect with your client like that, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, from my experiences of that, because although there are a lot of real estate agents, I've noticed that there is not that type of connection. It's always like, oh, look what I've just sold. And now you want to use me. And I'm like, no, I need you to also believe in me and my goals of what I want. Uh Um, I wanted to ask you about specifically going back to your hard time of like all things crumbling and what you felt like you were failing. What were some of the things that you did at that time that were starting you to transition out from feeling rock bottom to rebuilding? I think at that time, when I look back at how did we transition out of rock bottom is sometimes it gets uglier before it gets better. And I think we all have to know that. So even though you think that you're moving in the right direction, there's going to be times where the market will still continue to drop or you'll still continue to lose or you'll still continue to feel like a failure, but you got to push through. I think one of it was absolutely mindset and just seeing like that quick win, seeing being able to like look at the situation and go, what are our options? What are our options? And sometimes we allow ego to get in the way. And what I mean by that is sometimes we will hold on to things that probably should, we should let go of. You know, for example, the cars. Do we really want to get rid of the cars? I mean, we felt like at that time, what if the market turns? But why have that stress? You know, mm-hmm. could we switch cars? Could we actually sell this and get something else and still be okay? Right? Um, so I think one is like mindset and seeing what, what are your options and then having a plan. And I think it's even harder when you actually have another person that you have to make decisions with. So like making sure that my husband and I were on the same page, right? Like here's our plan of actions. Here's what we could do. We actually could foreclose on our houses. We actually could short sell them. We could actually evict all of our um, tenants. Like we just had to look at all the options because it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you think you have savings until a lot of them don't pay and that eats it up really, really quick. Right. And so like, and back then we didn't have, I think it's a lot easier now because there's a gig economy. You can Uber, you can tour your cars, you could Airbnb your house. Mm -hmm. Right. I feel like there's so many more, like you could get really creative today versus back then. Yes, absolutely. Then no, that's so true. I didn't even think of that. Mm -hmm. You at that time, there wasn't Airbnbs and Uber was not there. So where you can rent your own cars out. Yes, that's so true. I mean, it's amazing how, you know, the evolution of being able to expand out of what we were, you know, the hotels and taxis into these other opportunities it really does allow this type of um, ability to overcome these tragic moments, right? Where we're in, um, and even in 2020, there were more people who started their own businesses. Yes, there were a lot of people who went out of business, but there was, it increased, I think, 30% with becoming entrepreneurs or solopreneurs because people were thinking outside the box or they got laid off, 
um, you know, or they needed to be able to um, subsidize their income with additional revenue, and maybe they weren't able to do things outside the home. And it's really amazing to see how, you know, moving forward. For sure. If we just think outside the box. (laughs) There's more millionaires that are created in down markets than there are in up markets. Throughout all of these, you know, journeys that you had, did you have like influential people? Did you have a coach, a mentor, you know, people that you're like, because of them, I was able to not necessarily become the person you are today, but they really helped guide you to become the person you are today. Yeah, I had a mentor at my real, my first real estate office, Caesar Brown and Greg Nassau. Um, they took me under their wings. I hired a coach um, my second year in the business. And I remember, like, it was really scary. I'm like, $1,000. And I was like, that's more than my rent. That's mm-hmm. more than my car put together. But I knew, like, I need to take that scary leap because when you pay, you pay attention, I believe. And mm-hmm. you're you're betting on yourself at that point. And that's what I've realized with investments and coaches. And I don't think since then I've ever been without a coach. I've always had coaches or multiple coaches. Still today, I have multiple coaches for different things um, depending on what our goals are. So there's not – because I know that there's smarter people out there. I know that there's people – if I can shortcut – my learning curve, not like Mm -hmm. the things that I have to do, but the way that I can learn through their experiences and their failures and their mistakes, I can get there a lot quicker to my goals. And they also peak, uh, not just curiosity in your own mind about what you're doing. Like, I think it's the brainstorming aspect and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. And then it's this collaboration right? It's, it's an amazing collaboration and it evolves. And without someone who's in that higher level of thinking, it's sometimes it, it pulls you up into a space that alone you cannot do. So would you always recommend always like to anybody, no matter where they're at financially, would you recommend them to invest in a coach? I don't always recommend it. And I know that's surprising to hear. Um, yeah, I am a surprise, but yeah, not I not because I yes. believe it, but because yeah, I usually would say yes, but I would say no, I don't always recommend it because I think sometimes you actually have to be ready for the feedback. You have to be ready. Mm-hmm. You actually have to be committed to coaching. So just because like everybody else around you might have a coach, you may not do the work because you're not quite there yet. You haven't been bought in and you're just mm-hmm. paying a paycheck or paying a check or writing a check to a coach when you're not willing to do the work. And I'm the first to say, like, I don't think coaching's for you. I don't yes, think you're really, I love really it. committed. So I think it depends. And what I would ask myself is, am I truly committed to my goals? Do I truly want help and accountability or strategy, whatever the case is? Mm-hmm. And am I willing to do the work, whether it's inner yes. work, outer work? Because if you're not ready for that, I don't think you're ready for a coach. Sorry. Yeah. So it's coaches are meant for everyone, but you have to be ready for them, for them to actually be a value to you in your life. And it's really honestly true because um, I'm sure you've also experienced where someone has come into your space. You've, you've been their mentor or coach and they just were not ready. So it didn't matter how much feedback or um, guidance they just were still in that space of unwilling to go to the next level, right? And it's really going into a space of the unknown, feeling discomfort, and doing something that potentially could be scary for them. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing today specifically, like in your practice, in your real estate agency, your coaching, all the things that you offer? So we do private coaching. Um, So I do have a couple of people that are my private roster where we do one-on-one. We do, and we won't be doing that moving forward next year. So like whoever's on my roster will stay on my roster or they'll fall off. We're doing two masterminds. We have one mastermind already that's ongoing. We have events. And um, I think that's pretty much it. Like when it comes to like the coaching Mm -hmm. aspect of it. As far as the agency, we have like 
different companies that we are dealing with right now, we're in the middle of a transition and expansion. So in the coaching world, we're going to be expanding into a new mastermind. We're expanding into more coaches for next year. We are expanding to different events for the experience side of things. And then our real estate um, network, we're expanding that and we're actually um, a leader wants to lead something in Arizona. So I will help her go ahead and lead that. And of course, we're always looking at investments and partnerships and collaborations. So basically, you've got a lot of things going on for next year. You had a event this year called Play Bigger. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't sure, but was it only was it really geared towards real estate agents or is it meant for everybody? So we had two events. We had one in April that was geared specifically for real estate agents, guys and girls, and then our men and women. And then we had one that, you know, our community really wanted, and it was um, Play Bigger for only women, all different entrepreneurs um, outside of the real estate industry. So there was obviously some people there that were in real estate, but lots of different, um, you know, entrepreneurs. They had That's awesome. Beauty in the, in the beauty industry, product space, online coaches, media companies, podcast companies, they were all there. I think that's how I ended up actually seeing your content in my feed. Um, I think somebody that I'm connected with was there and I was so bummed that I missed it. I was sad because it looked really powerful and like a beautiful community. I've been to several different conferences and masterminds. And I will say this about that, because I believe that everybody should always get educated and get involved in their community. But the problem is, is that when you go, you can be jaded because of how the experience is. And the ones that I've been to, a few of them, it has felt like it's so unattainable. Like the people around you feel so unattainable. The speakers feel so unattainable. The people who hosted it feel so unattainable or that there's this barrier between you and, um, and them. And it almost feels like I'm going in there. I'm wanting to learn from them, but it's kind of a place where I feel alone. That's the word alone. I feel alone. You, on the other hand, when I see, when I saw your event, it didn't look like that. It had very like family feeling vibes and you are a very kind person. Um, I didn't want to lead off saying how I met Raquel. I did. I, well, I met, I saw her content online, but then I actually saw her at an, at an event, a, a conference and I saw her in the bathroom and I am actually, people believe it or not, I'm a little bit shy. I really am. And like in person, I have to muster myself up to just like come out of my shell. I have the desire, but sometimes my fears can overcome me. But I saw her in the bathroom and I was like, okay, I'm going to say something to Raquel right now and be like, hi. I follow you on Instagram. Let's be friends because I really like you. And she just literally embraced me with open arms. She introduced me to two of the gals that she was talking to. And I don't, did you even know who they were? Like before that you had just met them. You introduced me to um, two of them. One of them, Nikita, is actually now a dear friend of mine. And she went to my event and now we're still really connected And I'm just like, Raquel, all the things you do, it's very apparent and you uh, give off the feeling of love. So I I definitely don't want to miss next year's, you know, if you have a mastermind that is for, you know, entrepreneurs, I'm definitely going to be there for sure. Um, Do you have dates of when you think you're going to have any of these masterminds or is that all for finalizing them this week? We have (laughs) um, quotes from everybody else and it's just a matter of me picking the different venues Mm -hmm. and we have one that will be out of the country, which will be fun. Oh, that is very exciting. Yeah. Is it going to be? No. Oh my gosh. I'm going to. I'm going to have to go to that one. That's the one. 
<laughs> I've been wanting to go there. So I think this you is do. a really great excuse to be like, I'm going to, you know, kill two birds with one stone, so to speak, and uh, go to an amazing mastermind and also go to a place I've wanted to go for a long time. So before we end, I just, you know, I know that you brought up some of the really exciting things that you are, you know, going into for 2023. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience that you'd love to um, let them know that you've got specifically up and coming? I would say connect with me on Instagram. That's where we'll put all the things. That's where I play um, the most and spend the most time out of all the different platforms. We're always trying to do things for our community. Like Karina says, I'm really big on relationships. You know, you can have all these contents and people that you can learn from, but if Mm -hmm. people will always remember how you made them feel. It's never a matter of like how much knowledge you have and I just think that like there's no point in being like too up there um, and I tell my team, like, I'd be the first, like, if something happened at our event, I'd be a janitor too, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not afraid to do that because I've had amazing people in my life, amazing mentors that have paved the way for me and have taught me what true leadership is and what true connection can really do for your business when you, especially when you operate in abundance. And I think that's, that uh, people, I think some people say that, but they don't always practice it. And I'm mm-hmm. always big on like collaboration, collaboration. If Karina like sent me a message on DM, you better believe that I'll answer her right back and it's not somebody else on my team. Yes. And that's true. I can vouch for that. (laughs) What is two of the biggest advice that you would give? So one for any entrepreneur and then two for people who are in real estate who are listening to this, what are the two advice that you would give that you would have given yourself back when you started? What, What would you give them today? Oh my gosh. I would just say go for it. Play freaking bigger because when you get into the realm of like, what if this happens? What if that happens? I'd say 90% of the time it doesn't happen. It's all in your head. And when you start projecting some of those like, well, what if like this fails? And what if that really you're smart enough? And I just told my son this, like you're smart enough that you're going to freaking figure it out. I promise you, even if you were pushed to the corner and to the wall and you felt like you lost everything, even friends and you had to start over you will figure it out. So bet on yourself, bet on yourself and go play big. Amazing. Well, Raquel, you truly are unstoppable. I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to meet you and to be connected with you. Um, for any, for those who are listening, check out Raquel on Instagram. Also sign up for her newsletter. That's the other thing I was going to bring up. She is the queen bee of newsletters. She definitely dropped some really amazing nuggets. And also you can follow her podcast, Play Bigger, on there as well. Thank you again, Raquel. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. I'm always like excited when we get to jam out. (laughs) 